Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. everybody it's tuesday january 2nd 2024 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we're going to stay hydrated in the new year it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio florio uh happy new year good sir i hope uh, the first two days of january are uh, treating you all right happy new year to you as well uh had a fun new year's eve with some friends coming over and such and then New Year's Day did absolutely nothing. Watch some my Knicks, watch some college football, and I, I think that's what New Year's Day is for. So I hope you kind of did the same. Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, chilled, had some family in town, but uh, sat around the house, watched some football during the day. I uh, had a, uh, a, mo- a viewing of that family-friendly film known as Oppenheimer in the evening. Uh, but it was a good day. <laughs> I actually watched Oppenheimer over the weekend as well for the first time. Yeah. Uh, nothing says family like a story about the father of the atomic bomb. Man, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Uh, so I, I know the fantasy season is over for most people. I'm sure some of you out there are going to be doing something to sweat through week 18. And later in the week, uh, we will talk about maybe some DFS plays or something to get you through week 18. But want to kind of do a season recap. We'll do it in three parts. Uh, I'm calling it the good, the bad, and the WTF. So we'll start off on the good foot. We'll talk about some of the things uh, that went well over fantasy season and maybe what it can mean going forward. Uh, so we'll break that down into about four different little sections. So uh, enjoy that. But let's get started with a couple of headlines because uh, first in Pittsburgh, Mason Rudolph is going to get the start over a healthy Kenny Pickett this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Steelers uh, have a shot at the playoffs, but they do have to win. So Mike Tomlin going to Mason Rudolph. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and try to make some story where you're looking to start Mason Rudolph or what have you. But I wanted to spin it ahead to next season in that with this move, Florio, does this mean Kenny Pickett is officially done as the starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think it should. Uh, I I will say I was never a Kenny Pickett guy. Like when they took him in the first round, I I thought they were reaching on him. Uh, I I just don't love fifth year quarterbacks when you're older than everyone else in a lesser competition. That's when you have your breakout. Um, But then like we've seen it for years now. I, I know Matt Canada kind of fell on the sword here, but that offense wasn't moving the ball with Kenny Pickett. They weren't scoring. It was it was low, ugly games with him. Now you have Mason Rudolph, who we all know is not a franchise quarterback, and your offense looks better. Uh, I, I think that's it's it's similar to the Browns, Marcus. I'm like, yeah, you guys are having a great magical season. Your offense looks way better with a journeyman Joe Flacco <laughs> at the end of his career than it did with your franchise quarterback. That is something that is concerning. But for the Steelers, they're not as invested. They could still get out of Kenny Pickett, and I think they should. I think they probably will. I just I think the way this has gone down signals that that we've seen the last of Pickett as the starter there in Pittsburgh. 
Um, you know, it kind of became a running joke, right? That every time a quarterback stepped in and had a big game, uh, that he was immediately compared to Kenny Pickett. And that's what happens when in 25 career games, you have just 13 touchdown passes and 13 total interceptions. That's where Kenny Pickett is. And like you mentioned, it's easy to throw the blame on the lap of Matt Canada. And he certainly deserves some of it with just a an unimaginative, boring, uncreative offense. Uh, but some of it is the guy triggering the offense as well. And Kenny Pickett has done nothing to really establish himself as the guy that if you're the Steelers, you want to be attached to long term. I also want to kind of take in what this means for the guys around him, because I think a lot of people after what George Pickens has done in the fantasy playoffs, a couple of really big games back to back. I've seen a lot of talk about what this means for George Pickens and people saying in Dynasty, especially uh, that they're still in and that maybe they're even willing to buy in some respects. Uh, look, he went for 131 last week. He went for 195 and two touchdowns the week before. But with all this uncertainty, what do you think is the dynasty value of a George Pickens right now? I think it depends on who their quarterback is next year. Like I, I you look at what George Pickens did this year with his blazing hot finish. He scored more fantasy points than Garrett Wilson. He scored more fantasy points than Calvin Ridley. Uh, he was right behind Chris Olave and Rasheed Rice. Like I, I don't think we would put Pickens in as having the same season as those other players, but he finished strong with Mason Rudolph. He needs a quarterback who could take advantage of his downfield prowess. Like if he if they went out and upgraded the quarterback position, let's say, and had got a strong arm quarterback. Maybe Russell Wilson. Uh, I, I could see Pickens getting hyped up uh, and going as a top 20 fantasy wide receiver next year. But I don't think it's out of the range of possibility that they swing and miss on a couple of bigger name quarterbacks. And we're running it back with Kenny Pickett next year. And if that is the case, then I want no parts of George Pickens. I'm looking right now at the, the fantasy pros dynasty rankings. Um, and George Pickens right now sits as the wide receiver 32, just behind Christian Watson, just ahead of Chris Godwin. And I guess that feels right. Um, I just, there's just so much inconsistency week to week that it's nice to get those big blow up games. I, I, I've always just lived with the opinion that, yeah, the big blow up games are nice, but not when they're followed by just duds. I would much rather have a guy who consistently gives me, you know, 60 to 80 yards than have to live with the, you know, 150 yards followed by the 20 yards. Um, you know, I just I can't live with that. And I, I look at the offense. You mentioned the quarterback situation. What are they going to do? Will it be Kenny Pickett? Well, you know, I can't imagine they roll in the next season with Mason Rudolph as their starter. Do they try to go get say a Kirk Cousins in free agency? Do they put themselves in position to draft a quarterback? This is a very deep year uh, for quarterbacks in the draft. Do they try to find somebody like that? I don't know. And that impacts how I feel about George Pickens, because if everything is status quo going into next season, um, George Pickens is at best kind of a third wide receiver. I think even in dynasty, I think that's sort of what what you're looking at with him. Um, we know the potential is there. We know the highlight reel catches are there, just the overall consistency there. And if the offense continues to be bad, um, I think that's, you know, I think he's, I won't say he's at his ceiling, but you know, just, there's just too much volatility for me. Uh, and in this offense, the thing with these boomer bus guys is in the summer, it's easy to, to sell yourself like, Oh, well, those big weeks are going to win me weeks. Then you get in the real season and it's so unpredictable because what the way it goes is usually that player will be on your bench when they blow up for like the 150 and then the next week you get them in your lineup and that's when you get the 20 like you were talking about. So those players are maddening to own in fantasy week to week. 100%. Um, yeah, like George Pickens. I mean, I had my tweet earlier that uh, Jerry Judy was the George Pickens of Gabe Davis's because they're all those guys that you look at and you see and you think maybe that the talent's going to win out. Uh, but either the situation or just their fit within the offense doesn't quite happen. And so you just get sort of frustrated with them there. Um, meanwhile, in Chicago, the Bears do have some decisions to make because they've got the number one overall pick courtesy of the Carolina Panthers. Do they go out and get a guy like Caleb Williams? 
or do they stick with Justin Fields? Now, after what he did this past week against the Atlanta Falcons in the snow, the fans were chanting, we want Justin. The players in the locker room have really thrown their lot in behind Justin Fields. So I ask you, is Justin Fields a franchise quarterback? In my opinion, yes. Um, and this is something I, I did a Twitter spaces with rank last week. And surprise, surprise, we ended up talking a whole lot of Chicago Bears. Shocking. Um, <laughs> I was saying, I think you discount those first couple of years with Justin Fields because this year, like he was throwing the ball, no offense to these players, to Darnell Mooney and the, the worst St. Brown brother and Chase Claypool. <laughs> he gets DJ more this year and his numbers like he looks better. His numbers look better. And look at all of these other quarterbacks. Like young Josh Allen got digs, took the next step. Uh, young Jalen Hurts got Smith and AJ Brown. He took the next step. We saw Lamar Jackson putting up career numbers as a passer this year because they finally invested in the pass catchers around him. Like you to properly judge a quarterback. I think you need competent talent around him. Justin Fields finally has that he's looking good. He's learning how to win games to me, I think, and I know this isn't fantasy, but I think the Bears are kind of having a year like the Lions had last year, where you're not making the playoffs, you're not doing anything like that, but you're learning how to win. You're you're doing the right things as an organization with the hopes that you could take a step forward next season. And with the report now that they could get a second or third round pick for Justin Fields, but even more than what they got for the first round pick last year, I'm like, dude, trade that pick Get Marvin Harrison Jr. here, invest in that O-line, and let's see what this team could be. Because I think they could be special if you put those playmakers around Justin. I think he absolutely can be special. And I think we've seen that uh, over the last few weeks of the season, him really starting to pick things up right now. Um, you're right. Uh, you know, And I think maybe to an extreme point, right? We look at, say, a guy like Patrick Mahomes this year and what's happened to him because the pass catching group has not been great in Kansas City, that even Mahomes, sure, his numbers are, you know, he's, he's, he's a better quarterback than Justin Fields, and that's not shade on Justin Fields, but he also hasn't looked like the Mahomes we're used to just because the guys around him haven't made plays. Now Fields does have DJ Moore. Uh, we've seen Cole Komet be a bit of a playmaker. He's got those guys to help him out, and it's starting to show, and the Bears on the field starting to find some success. They won five of their last seven. Yeah, they're not going to the playoffs, but a strong finish to this year, I think only bodes well for next year. Now looking around right now, Justin Fields in dynasty rankings is the QB 11. Uh, would you be willing to jump him up into the top 10? Say it's a dynasty startup draft. Yes, because he's young and he can run the football. So I'm looking at uh, the same list as you, the fantasy pros top 10. Uh, the big three, I, I'm not Mahomes, Allen, Hurts. You no argument there. Lamar, no argument. Joe Burrow, Stroud, Herbert, Anthony Richardson. I don't look. You know I love Anthony Richardson. Mm -hmm. He was the quarterback I was super bullish on this year. I don't understand how you can have him ahead of Justin Fields right now. He Justin Fields is more proven. Uh, we've seen Justin Fields be top five fantasy quarterback multiple times years in a row now, or top six, seven, whatever it is. Uh, because of time missed, but I, I, I think he needs, he should be ahead of Tua, he should be ahead of Trevor Lawrence, and I would make the case ahead of Anthony Richardson. The only concern we have is, are the Bears going to invest in him? And even if the Bears don't, a team that trades for Justin Fields is going to invest and pay Justin Fields, so he's going to be a starter. We know he could do elite things with his legs. He's starting to get better and better as a passer. I think he should easily be in the top 10. I, yeah, I think Richardson's kind of the question mark. I for sure would have him ahead of Tua. I would for sure have him ahead of, of Trevor Lawrence. I think uh, I think for Tua, what we saw this year is kind of who Tua is going to be. And I think for Lawrence, I mean, I think we've all sort of decided that he's not the generational talent he was made out to be. He's not a bad quarterback. He's just not going to be this game changer uh, in his NFL career. I think Fields is ahead of both of those guys. Richardson, I think everybody's still sort of enamored with because when we did see him this year, it was a lot of fun to watch. He just couldn't stay healthy. Unfortunately, the style of play he had seemed to you know, reduce him to getting a lot of hits. Uh, and that's what eventually landed him on injured reserve. So we'll see what happens next year. I think the excitement factor will keep him uh, kind of high up there. But I, I'm with you. I think I take Justin Fields ahead. And I do think if they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., which is a very high likelihood, 
I think you see Fields uh, rocket up a lot of those dynasty rankings right there. So uh, anyway, just a few things I got to keep in mind. Uh, we'll talk some more about any news headlines that hit later on in the week as we get you ready for a week 18 football there. But uh, let's take a look back at some of the good things that happened in 2024. And the first thing on my list, undoubtedly, has to be Christian McCaffrey, who finishes through week 17 as the top scorer in fantasy, 391.3 fantasy points. That is in PPR. He was 122.6 points better than the RB2, who was Travis Etienne, which is a surprise in and of itself. Uh, but I was looking at Florida, the gap between McCaffrey and Etienne, almost as big as the gap between Etienne and the RB33, who was Ramondre Stevenson. That is how much better Christian McCaffrey was in the next closest running back. So I have to ask you, because it wasn't undisputed this year, is he the undisputed, no doubt about it, hands down 1.01 next season? No. Oh. I think he is the undoubted, undisputed RB1 next season, but I do think there will be people who convince themselves to take a wide receiver. I, I think Christian McCaffrey will go first overall more than any player. Like I think he will largely be the first overall pick, but it wouldn't surprise me if Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill uh, went ahead of him in some drafts just because... The way that people are drafting in recent years is changing, where wide receivers are getting uh, super pulled up the board, and, and there's a big emphasis on getting them early and waiting on running backs. Uh, and then, you know, I don't buy into this narrative, but you're going to hear injury concerns and then can he hold up again and all of that. There is not a running back alive that I would rather have than Christian McCaffrey in fantasy, but I could see some people taking a wide receiver over him. So, look, I get it. It is early January. Uh, the fantasy season, for most for the most part, just concluded. I am planting the flag as McCaffrey as the number one overall pick just because of positional value. And that's a big argument in his favor because there just aren't as many running backs. There aren't any running backs, really, who can do what nope. he does at the level that he does it. And the fact that you sat and you rattled off three wide receivers, right, that you could go Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, throw C.D. Lamb in there with what he did at the end of the season. You've got four wide receivers right there that all have a legit claim to finish as the top wide receiver next year. We're not arguing who's going to be the, the you know, barring injury. Christian McCaffrey is your RB1. And I know people are going to say, well, he's the injury prone thing, I think, is over now. Right. Because yep. I went back and looked. He had those two seasons when he got hurt, 2020, 2021. He played a combined 10 games every year beyond that. He's played at least 16 games. He played 17 games last year between the, uh, the Panthers and the 49ers. He's played 16. He's not going to play week 18. We already know that he's been, you know, they plan to rule him out. They've got the number one seed. There's no reason to play him. Health has not really been a concern. Workload, I can sort of understand because he gets the ball a lot, like a lot, a lot. He's got 339 touches this year. Uh, he was 329 last year. He gets the ball a lot. But I just, I think he's my number one pick. And maybe things change. Maybe we have this conversation in August and I have been uh, group thought into something else. But just right now, there's, there's nobody that will give you that value at that position besides McCaffrey. And and the injury thing, I think, is very silly because even when he was missing time, he had a shoulder injury, he had a high ankle sprain, he had a hamstring strain. It's like football's a violent game, man. They're, yeah. All running backs are at risk of getting hurt. Uh, and the touches thing, I, I understand that argument. I, it would be a lot different if he was Derrick Henry running up the middle 400 times. The fact that he catches so many passes in space and can kind of protect himself, I think, helps. Like, if he didn't get hurt in the semifinals, in the championship game, I mean, he would have joined Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes, and LT as the only running backs in NFL history with multiple 400-point seasons. And <laughs> he joins the uh, Falk, uh, Falk and LT as the only guys have three seasons with 380 or more. I put it on Twitter the other day, Marcus. It, it's The conversation isn't, is Christian McCaffrey one of the best fantasy running backs of all time? It's how high are we willing to rank, rank him? Yeah. I think he's top five all time at the position. 
I mean, right now he is. And the fact that he's done this over a number of seasons, I think, sort of backs that up. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when he was drafted. Everybody's like, well, he can't run between the tackles. And he started doing that. And then 2019, he uh, ran for 15 touchdowns, had uh, 19 overall. This year, he's got 21 total touchdowns. Uh, I think we've put a lot of the the fears about him to bed now. Uh, he's been able to stay healthy for most of his career. He's been able to do it in multiple offenses. And yeah, he's in a better offense now than he was in Carolina. Um, the other question is, are there any other running backs you'd consider taking in round one next year? If he is the starter and the Rams don't bring anyone else in, I think Kyron Williams belongs in that group. And I think Brees Hall, uh, depending on what the Jets do. Besides that, Maybe Jameer Gibbs, because he's awesome. Besides that, no. So I, I, can, I can make a case for Brees. I think you can make a case for Kyron. I think for Jameer Gibbs, though, unless David Montgomery is gone, if Montgomery is back, it's sort of hard to make that case because yeah. they're still going to split opportunities. There's just so many guys that are either coming off injury. They have question marks in their offense. Um, and I even think with, say, a Brees Hall, I could see him going late in, in round one where, to the point where people say, you know what? I'm going to take a wide receiver here at the end of yeah. round one and I'll come back around and I'll get Brees early in round two. Um, I think you might see the same with Kyron Williams too, but uh, I think that's, but other than that, like Christian McCaffrey is the only running back that I'm like, he's locked and loaded for round one. Everybody else is up for debate. The If, if big, if, if the Falcons have a new head coach, we will talk ourselves into Bijan hundred <sighs> percent. Yeah, we probably will. <laughs> um, although, I, you know, I, I was seeing, I mean, maybe you saw it too, the headlines that the, Arthur Smith is expected to return for 2024. So uh, that that news right there immediately just knocked Bijan down like a round or two <laughs> in ADP. Third round pick. Right, he is just because, and it's going to be a lot of, hey, Bijan, it's not your fault. I just don't trust your coach. Like, that's exactly what's going to happen. I just see that see that happening. So uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to look at the rest of what was good in 2024 or 2023, I guess I should say, uh, as we recap the season coming up here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. We are looking back at 2023 and talking about what was good. Uh, we'll do the bad. We'll do the WTFs uh, as we get a little bit further into the offseason. But uh, talked about Christian McCaffrey and how awesome he was. I uh, wanted to talk about the the guys who were the wide receiver ones because I think we've done a pretty good job of figuring out who does what in the offenses. I went back and looked at the top five guys in ADP for wide receivers. Four of those five finished top 10 in fantasy points per game. And I know you and I have talked about this. We're not the only ones, but uh, when you draft a guy, say number one at his position, that's not you declaring that he's going to be the number one wide receiver. 
but just that it is in the range of outcomes and that more often than not, you're going to get consistency on a week to week basis. The only guy in that top five who didn't finish in the top 10 in points per game was Stefan Diggs slumped in the back half of the year, finished 15th in points per game. Uh, one, have we figured out, have we figured out wide receiver drafting? Is that, is that too much of a general statement right now? <laughs> I think we have, and it's why, if you remember back in the summer, I I kept saying, like, I think you should take a wide receiver in the first round. I know I was not the only person saying that, but because we know who the elite players are in the elite offenses, and those are the wide receivers. Like, CeeDee Lamb is tied to a great quarterback. Tyreek Hill is tied to... Say whatever you want about Tua. I think he's a good quarterback, and it's a great offense. Amon Ross St. Brown is in a great offense. A.J. Brown. The Rams guys, we we weren't this high on them, but we were still very high on them because they're in a great offense. Um, Like, Mike Evans was one we got wrong. D.J. Moore we were a little bit low on. But, yeah, we know who the ball like is going to in these elite offenses, and those are the wide receivers who are going to be in the top 10 at the end of the season. So... I agree. I, I do think we have figured this out, at least for right now. Watch, next year will go completely different. But <laughs> I can tell you for next season, outside of maybe Christian McCaffrey, my early round picks are going to be loaded with wide receivers. Oh, yeah. And I think what we've decided and what seems to work is you're looking at obviously heavy route participation, guys that are on the field and running routes a lot, uh, high target shares. And offenses that score a lot of points and move the ball up and down the field. And that's what you got when you look at, you know, say a, you know, a Jamar Chase with when they help with a healthy Joe Burrow, a Justin Jefferson with a healthy uh, Kirk Cousins, C.D. Lamb with Dak Prescott, even the early part of the season, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. I mean, we can keep going. Those are the guys that we're starting to target. I think we've sort of figured that out. And we've even been able to sort of uh, break guys out into tiers where, hey, look, there are some teams where maybe the wide receiver two is better than a wide receiver one, right? Devonta Smith, arguably the wide receiver two in Philadelphia, probably a better option than, you know, Adam Thielen being the wide receiver one in Carolina, just because the offenses are so much better. So I talked about Christian McCaffrey and asked whether or not he's the 1.01. You mentioned that, you know, you would still be willing to, to consider a wide receiver there. Would that wide receiver be Tyreek Hill? And is he a lock? Is he a lock to be the wide receiver one after what he did this year? As of right now, he would be my wide receiver one. Um, I do not know if he's a lock yet, though, although I think his competition is very, very small. It's Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, depending on what the Vikings do at quarterback. But I I could see people selling a fully healthy Joe Burrow and healthy Jamar Chase uh, could rival Tyreek Hill because, you know, people are always like, well, this guy was one last year. He's not going to finish one again. Whereas my thinking is always like, okay, this guy finished one last year and he is a if he stay if Tyreek Hill stays healthy next year, he's a lock, in my opinion, to be a top five fantasy wide receiver. That's kind of what I want in the early. I want to mitigate risk in the first round and having a player with the upside of Tyreek Hill and with such a safe floor. But I, I left out one that I CD lamb easily could also be in the running to be the, uh, the wide receiver one off the board next year. He's young. He's in a high powered offense with a good quarterback. Uh, so I think any number of those four wide receivers could go first overall. I do think, you know, with recency bias, I mean, I think if you do a lot of mock drafts now, I think you're going to see C.D. Lamb as that number one pick just because he's the guy who got hot the latest. And as you mentioned, good offense, good quarterback. They are probably going to be together for a few more years. That's going to get people really excited about C.D. Lamb. And again, I just go back to, you know, picking a guy to be the first position off the board, player at a position off the board does not mean that you're saying like, if I take Tyreek Hill, number one, I'm not sitting here saying that I think Tyreek Hill is going to be the number one wide receiver. But it's like you said, it's mitigating risk. I think that what happened at the end of the year, though, makes it harder for Tyreek Hill. Just the fact that he got banged up, not that he played, he didn't play badly. He just was battling through injury, which tends to happen. The fact that he was on pace for 2,000 yards, it, it you know seems very unlikely unless he somehow comes up with 283 yards uh, against the Bills. I mean, I guess not impossible, just highly unlikely. Um, you know, I think the fact that he's on pace for 2,000 yards is going to 
people are gonna look at it and say, well, you know, that that seems like a once in a lifetime thing. That's not gonna happen again. I think that's what it knocks him down. And the fact that there is competition, whether it's C D Lamb, uh, whether it is uh, you know, Jamar Jamar Chase with a healthy Joe Burrow, a healthy Justin Jefferson. I will say this, and you can disagree if you like. I think Justin Jefferson falls out of maybe the top three wide receivers because I'm sort of assuming Kirk Cousins isn't going to be back in Minnesota next year. And that leaves it wide open. Maybe it's a rookie they draft. I can't imagine they go out and get somebody in free agency, but the Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson pairing has been really, really good to us. And if that's not around, he's a first round receiver, but I don't think he's a top five receiver. I no disagreement at all there. And he is the one, which is why like, when I was saying the CD Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, they AJ Brown, you could put in that conversation. Amon Ross St. Brown, they're all tied to uh, good offenses with good quarterbacks that aren't going anywhere. So Justin Jefferson is the most volatile. That's why, like, uh, I, I know I'm crazy. I'm probably going to do a draft in a few weeks just because I always <laughs> like to do one this early and see how it goes. Like, Jefferson is the riskiest of all of these high-end wide receivers because of who the court. We don't know who the quarterback will be. So I agree with you. Uh, it's hard to put him out of the top five right now uh, because we don't know. But yeah, if one of those wide uh, quarter, if it's not Kirk Cousins and it's not, you know, they don't get another high-end quarterback there. It's going to be hard to put him over those names I said, like a Tyreek, like a Lamb, uh, Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase. That's five right there that I, I would easily comfortably take over Justin Jefferson if he doesn't have Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I just I think that that's going to be the conversation we have uh, once we figure out who the Vikings quarterback is going to be. Uh, quick question. Are we trending toward three wide receivers being a standard you know, roster or standard lineup things. I, I know we do a lot of two wide receivers and maybe a flex. I play in some three wide receiver leagues. I feel like that's going to start to become the standard now because there are so many receivers to choose from. It should be it. it like in our fantasy live league, it, it the most annoying part is it's two wide receivers. And like, if, yeah. if I went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver this year, and then I found Kyron Williams on the waiver wire to take my flex spot that's a, a headache being like, all right, well, I have three great wide receivers now. I don't know who to play. And there's so much depth at that position as well that not only do I think it should be the norm, uh, most of my leagues are three wide receivers with a flex spot or sometimes even two. I know that might be a little deep for some people's likings, but I think three wide receivers and a flex should become the norm. Yeah, I think three wide receivers and a flex are great. I play in a league where we actually started four wide receivers in a 12-team league, and that felt a little deep. Um, there were some weeks, especially as injuries started to pile up where it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this for. <laughs> like, I wish I had a flex spot instead that I could like throw a running back or a tight end or something in there. Uh, four wide receivers felt a little bit thin, but three just seems like it's about right considering the state of the position. Uh, other thing that went well for the most part were the quarterbacks uh, and especially the guys off the top. Uh, four of the top five quarterbacks drafted based on ADP finished top 10 in fantasy points per game. The one guy who didn't was Joe Burrow, uh, finished 24th. That, you know, you can chalk that up mostly to injury, the fact that he just could not really get or stay healthy during the year. Uh, But after what you saw this year, is it still worthwhile to reach and draft quarterbacks early? Um, You know, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, all guys who went early-ish, all guys who finished well. Is it worth it to make that leap and, and draft those guys early? Yes, with one caveat, they need to run like you, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Allen averaged 23 fantasy points per game. Hurts uh, 22.3. The only other quarterback to average over 20 per game was Lamar Jackson, who also happens to lead the, the position in rushing yards. Those other two leads it in rushing touchdowns. It's why going back to, to the summer, I had Patrick Mahomes as the QB three and and Allen one hurts two because I kept saying like Patrick Mahomes needs to have a MVP type passing season to match what those two are going to do because he's not going to run for as many yards and he's running more than he has in the past 389 rushing yards still over 60 behind Allen and over 200 behind Jalen Hurts. He doesn't have a rushing touchdown. Those other two have 15 each. Not saying you can count on 15 again next year out of them, but they're good for six, seven at a minimum. And that is a huge game changer. So 
It's something I put on Twitter a couple, like a week ago. I know everyone's going to say, look at Patrick Mahomes. This is why you don't take quarterbacks early. You could have waited and got Jordan Love or Brock Purdy or someone like that. And it's like, okay, but on the flip side, if you took Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen in the third round of your draft, you probably had a great year because those guys are giving you five points more than most other quarterbacks per week. That is a huge difference. Um, Lamar, Fields, those guys were great as tier two guys. To me, you need to take a quarterback that could run in fantasy. It's why I loved Anthony Richardson later on. I know like Dak uh, had a great year. Jordan Love was really good. Brock Purdy. But those guys' ceiling is capped at being top five because they don't run enough. To be the QB1, like a Josh Allen or a Jalen Hurts, you need to run. So I, I think it is worth taking those rushing quarterbacks even if you have to take them a round or two earlier than they're the quarterbacks who give you similar passing stats to them. The, I think the point remains that for the guys who aren't running, you have to be incredibly efficient throwing the football. Brock Purdy's got almost 4,300 passing yards this year. Um, you know, the 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions like that works. I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers during the end of his time in green Bay, when he was you know throwing for, 28, 30 touchdowns with like two interceptions and giving you 4,500 yards. That worked for him, but it's just a lot harder to do that if you're not running the football. And I just think that when you get those guys at the top, again, you feel confident about the range of outcomes. The other part of this is, and I know Mahomes is going to be sort of the, the guy we point at and talk about this, though. I think we've been overreacting on Mahomes. I think the biggest crime that Patrick Mahomes did against us this year was just not have video game like numbers that we kept sitting and waiting. And I, I know I was guilty of this. I kept saying that, hey, look, we're going to get one of these 30 point games, right? It's coming. It has to be coming. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. It's the Chiefs. They'll figure it out. No, it never happened. But at the same time, he was still top 10 in fantasy points per game. He was the QB seven overall. And you go back and you look and. More than anything, he was just let down by the guys around him. The Chiefs led the league in drops. That's a lot of unrealized air yards. That's a lot of potential touchdowns that went by the wayside, where if maybe they have half that number of drops, talking about Patrick Mahomes again being a top five, maybe even top three fantasy quarterback. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I have this weird feeling that next year, and it's going to be a weird thing to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to end up being a fantasy value because everybody's going to be freaked out and nervous about what happens. Um, and like he's going to fall. He'll be like drafted as like the QB six or seven. And then, you know, he'll be Patrick Mahomes again. <laughs> I don't he, wonder how he, this happened. He should go top five. The, the issue is, and it's not a Patrick Mahomes issue. I think it was a fantasy community issue. He should never go first quarterback off the board. And I know that is crazy because he is the best quarterback in real life. But in the two he's twice in his career finished as the QB1. In both of those seasons, 5,100 passing yards and 50 touchdowns. 5,250 passing yards, 41. Like, he needs video, like you were saying, video game off the chart, 5,040 to make up for the fact that he doesn't run like Lamar or Hurts or Allen. Um, So, should be top five. I expect much better numbers out of him next year because I think they add to the wide receiver room. I just don't think we should be taking him over those Russian quarterbacks, even though he can be the QB1. I always break things down into like a percentage range of possibility. He needs to be off the charts good. Whereas I would argue that Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are having down years passing wise this year. And they're still running away at the quarterback position. It doesn't matter because of what they give you with their legs. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the thing that we talk about next year. Uh, also, a different conversation is uh, and is something that Cynthia Freeland mentioned uh, on NFL Fantasy Live is will the tush push be as successful next year once defense have had an offseason to sort of scheme up for it and the offensive line gets a little bit older? Uh, maybe that's not as successful, which does take away a lot from Jalen Hurts' potential fantasy production next season. Um, I look at the top 10 quarterbacks for this year, the guys who right now are sitting at the top of the, 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 the standings there. Uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Dak, Jordan Love, Brock Purdy, Mahomes, Goff, Baker Mayfield, Tua Tungavailoa. Which of those guys do you think is most likely to fall out of the top 10 next year? Out of this year's top 10? Yeah. Uh, well, Baker Mayfield, 
Um, <laughs> that, I think that's a, an easy one. Um, I, the rest, I think, are all pretty secure in maybe Jared Goff. Um, but like, I, as long as Brock Purdy has Shanahan and those weapons, I think yeah. he will be top 10. Uh, I think Mahomes will easily be top 10. Jordan Love could fall out of that, but he also could get better. Like, uh, I, I, I don't think Jordan Love or Baker and maybe I don't know about Goff or Purdy going drafted as top 10 because uh, I, I think we'll pull CJ Stroud up. I think we'll pull Justin Herbert up. I think we'll pull Anthony Richardson up, um, Justin Fields. So I think those pocket passers will get knocked out of the top 10, but I would not be surprised at all if after the 2024 season, if those guys are still top 10. Yes, that's going to be the thing because, you know, figure Herbert, healthy Herbert probably gets back closer there. You mentioned Justin Fields, Joe Burrow. There's a lot of guys who I think would normally be top 10 that for various reasons didn't land there this year. Throw in the fact that there's always going to be one surprise, right? There's going to be one guy that sort of comes seemingly out of nowhere to uh, jump into the top 10. I mean, look, who knows what a healthy Anthony Richardson does if he's able to run the football the way he has. So, uh, but I'm with you. Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Uh, Look, the way Michael Penix played uh, (laughs) in the Sugar Bowl, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of excitement about him as well, depending on where he lands. But yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield's kind of the easy one to point at and be like, yeah, you're you're probably out next year, uh, without a doubt. Uh, last thing that at least I have that, that went really well this year, this rookie class, I think really acquitted mm-hmm. itself very, very well. I went through and looked at the guys who were top 12 at their respective positions. Jameer Gibbs was the RB eight, uh, for as much as we were frustrated with B. John Robinson, he was the RB 12 Puka Nakua, the wide receiver five, Sam Laporta, the tight end one, uh, he was the top tight end as a rookie. So uh, to hell with all your rookie tight ends don't produce in fantasy narratives. Sam Laporta just spit on that one. Uh, some other notable guys that didn't necessarily finish top 12 but had great seasons. Devon Achan was t- RB24. Rasheed Rice, wide receiver 21. Zay Flowers, wide receiver 25. Dalton Kincaid uh, was the tight end 13. So I know we talk about drafting rookies and I know it's a little bit different per position, but do you have like an overarching process for when you're evaluating rookies? And and would you say that it worked this year? So I've only started recently since I've worked here at the NFL. So like five years maybe to really get into trying to learn about prospects before the NFL draft and all of that. And I think Knowing a prospect, what you think they can do well, what they need to work on, and knowing their skill set paired with then knowing the landing spot and where is there going to be opportunity for this player? Are they with a coach who you believe can get the most out of their skill set? Um, I, I was not a hundred percent on rookies this year because, like, I thought Quentin Johnston fell into a favorable spot. I thought Jalen Hyatt uh, was going to be a favorable rookie this year, but I, I really hit it, and you did as well, Marcus. I think we crushed it on a lot of rookies. Like, I had Jameer Gibbs as a top ten running back coming into mm-hmm. the year. I had Sam Laporta as a tight end one ranked coming into the year. Uh, Puka Nakua was one of my favorite late round dart throws, and I had a whole bunch of him uh, on teams. Uh, Kincaid is another one I had as a tight end one coming into the year. So I think it it worked largely. And, and like Jaden Reed, I was saying, I want him over Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs at cost. Um, so I think the process is finding out what these players do well and where they land. If you trust their coach, if they are in an opportunity where they can get the ball. But my biggest advice with rookies, Marcus, is to draft a whole bunch of them later <laughs> on because they are the ultimate lottery tickets. We know who a lot of these veterans are, and we could sell ourselves that, oh, this veteran on our new team or whatever is going to break out. It often doesn't work. But rookies, rookies often hit because we don't know who they are yet, and they tend to go later in drafts. And when they hit, they are league winners. Yeah, I, and I, I am a big proponent of really fit over talent. Uh, and I know a lot of people look at this guy's talent, like, hey, this guy's really, really good. And I'm like, sure, but if he's in a situation, if he's a really talented wide receiver and he lands in a spot where there are already two or three really talented guys, I mean, look at a Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? I mean, everybody yep. loved his talent, loved what he could do, loved what he did in college. But then he lands in a situation where they've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and it was just hard for him to consistently earn a lot of targets. And I think that really goes a long way. Now, look, down the road, 
Who knows what happens with Lockett? You know, he's a guy who's getting a little bit older. Maybe he moves aside or he takes a lesser role and it's JSN that really steps forward. But I think it's hard in the short term to just lean strictly on talent if there isn't. There are a lot of talented guys in the NFL. There are a lot of guys who can play, a lot of guys who were great in college. If you don't have a fit and a path to opportunity, it gets a lot harder to make the case that you're going to be a fantasy star, especially right away. And then, like you said, drafting guys late. And it was a thing that I really, uh, really told myself to do this year instead of just leaning on muscle memory and taking that veteran wide receiver or veteran running back because you remember the name and maybe they had a decent season a couple of years ago. Uh, it is worth to take the swing on a rookie who might get an opportunity if someone gets hurt, uh, if someone just doesn't play well, um, because you're right with the aging veterans. You kind of know what it is like, sure, maybe every once in a while you get an Adam Thielen who kind of pops up and, and has a resurgence. But generally, uh, they're more like Alan Lazard who goes somewhere else uh, and don't do anything for you. So it's worth to spend that late pick on a, a rookie as opposed to, uh, you know, a guy whose name you may may already know. Um, any guys out there that maybe you know, had OK rookie seasons that you think take a big step forward next year? I think your opportunity thing was 100% right. Like we were big on JSN not because of who the other wide receivers are ahead of him. I, I think opportunity matters. So, so often fantasy community thinks we are talent evaluators and that's what we get paid. And no, talent is a big piece <laughs> of the puzzle. Figuring out who's going to get the opportunity is as well. Like I don't think anyone had Tank Dell ahead of JSN coming right. into the year, but uh, rookies who will take a leap. I think all of them. Uh, I, I think they're <laughs> mostly going to, but like, I, I think Jaden Reed is only getting started. I, I think that this kid could be what Debo said, maybe a little bit less physical, but I, I really believe he can be a wide receiver one in this league. Um, Kincaid, I think we saw flashes of it. Uh, I think next season, maybe they get rid of Dawson Knox. Who knows? I think he can really be a top 10 fantasy tight end. And uh, Tank Dell, a whole bunch of them, but one I'm not willing to give up on yet. Call me crazy is Quentin Johnston. I knew it was rough and I know <laughs> I swung in this big with Quentin Johnston this year. He started to put it together as the year went on. Uh, he was getting open. He was just dropping the ball. Like he had yeah. two potential game winning, like 60 yard touchdowns fall through his hands. Uh, I, I think with a little bit more seasoning, with more prep, and maybe with a better offensive minded coach there, uh, because we know they're going to bring someone new in. I still think Quentin Johnston could be something in this league and that you're going to get him at a huge discount next year because everyone is going to say this guy stinks. He can't catch. Uh, but look at, I mean, Keenan Allen could be gone. Mike Williams could be gone. Who knows what the new regime will do, but Quentin Johnston will be there and will get an opportunity. That's interesting. Cause I, I, you know, look, the chargers aren't going to give up on him yet. Obviously after one season, there's a reason they drafted him where they did. Uh, and he did make some flashes late in the year. I'm looking at, Roshan Johnson in uh, in Chicago because Deontay Foreman is going to be a free agent this year. And look, Foreman has played a nice role for them, but we also know he is a role player. If we're talking about this team really trying to level up on offense, because defensively the Bears are not a bad team, right? They they you know they they struggled uh, you know at times, but they're not a bad defensive team. They go out and they get Marvin Harrison Jr. They go out and get some help on the offensive line to really load up on this offense to help out Justin Fields. That also goes a long way toward helping Rashawn Johnson. And even if even if Khalil Herbert's still there and it's just a two man backfield, we can deal with that. The three headed attack is going to be a problem. Johnson is a good back. And we kept saying it. His big crime was that he was stuck behind Bijan Robinson at Texas. But he's a good running back who flashed at times this year. And I really do think he's going to be a guy who will be a nice value because he's going to be hanging around in the middle rounds. He's not going to you know rocket up draft boards. But I do think there's a big opportunity coming for him next year. And I'm very excited to kind of see what he can be. Um, I'm just curious because the Bears have a really big offseason ahead of them. And I'm curious to see what they're going to yeah. do and uh, how they're going to make it work. So For the second straight year, they are the... the yeah. Talk of the NFL offseason. Yeah. Thanks, David Tepper, for, for making that happen. Uh, for literally trading everything away. 
I Man. saw the play the other day, fourth and twenty. Davis Mills heaves it, and uh, oh. I think it was Jordan Atkins catches it, and uh-huh. it was like this play gave the Bears two first round picks, and it yep. is in first overall picks, and it's insane. Yep, absolutely. That's just absolutely wild. So uh, I'm sure Adam Rank is going to be uh, you know he, drooling over the possibilities. The crazy thing is, the Texans did that. And still came away as huge winners. Yep. With, with Dell and Stroud. They get CJ Stroud, they get Tank Dell, uh, you know, still have a chance to make the playoffs. And definitely the trajectory is going upward for the Houston Texans. They really should, uh, if not build a statue to Lovey Smith, you know, at least have a Lovey Smith Appreciation Day <laughs> or something next year uh, at the stadium, 100%. So, uh, all right. So let's just get started in our 2023 recap. Uh, we'll come back later the week. Uh, Thursday, we'll be uh, back with you and we'll talk about some of the bad things. We'll have to, uh, you know, I don't know, gird our loins or something and get ready to talk about some bad stuff for uh, a little bit next week. We'll also get you uh, ready for week 18, uh, some DFS plays as well uh, in that show. So be prepared for that. But that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the week, everybody. And we'll talk to you again soon. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max Powertrain Unlimited and Platinum Trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.